Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we bring to you this biblical sermon from Dr. Charlie Dates, preached at the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. We hope that it leaves you refreshed and inspired. If you're ever in Chicago on a Sunday, we'd love to have you in worship with us. Join now. This message already in progress. All right, Mark chapter 5. I didn't talked enough. Now y'all ready to hear the sermon. Beginning at verse 24, I want to read down to verse 34. When you got it, say, I got it. Oh, thank you for that. Hold up. You can, you can look at it on the screen today. And he went off with him. Speaking of Jesus going off with Jairus. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving himself in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, man? And you saying, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Will y'all give me a few moments to preach to try to make my way through this? I don't know who here today needs healing. And healing isn't always physical. I don't know who's been wrestling with anxiety and depression and sadness and fatigue, just weariness in mind and body. Well, I want to tell you that there is an answer today. We've been working our way through a number of passages that highlight faith and the power of faith. This morning, I want to tag this text in our exchange. Just a touch will do. You may be seated. I want to talk from the thought. Just a touch will do. Sometimes I preach and I'm happy already. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, that's, that's where I am today. It don't take a whole lot. Just a touch will do. Will you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you and we bless you for your great faithfulness to us. And I'm asking you now to give me clarity of mind, concision of speech, conviction of heart that I may in this moment tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Would you lift somebody's head today and strengthen somebody's spirit? Encourage us today in the truth of your word and in the power of our Lord and our Savior. And if there are those among us today who do not know you in the pardon of their sin, would you save them today? In Jesus' name. Something so slight can be so significant. That is the case with the ceremony that turns an average, ordinary citizen in Great Britain to an above-average, extraordinary night. There are multiple ways in which these ceremonies are done. Sometimes the citizen has to stay up all night the night before. Legend has it. But however the ceremony goes at the end of the ceremony the reigning monarch will raise a blade a sword and gently tap the shoulders of the citizen and that gentle touch moves them from an ordinary average citizen to the status of extraordinary as a knight because sometimes just a touch will do you, you know something negatively about how just a touch 
can go too far. I, I guess Bill Clinton can be uh, an example of that, but we ain't gonna mess with we ain't gonna mess with President Clinton today. I read of the Mitsubishi factory in Normal, Illinois in 1998. They were under significant duress because hundreds of women had filed complaints about sexual harassment. Um, sexual harassment is when you take Keith Sweat too far. I, I don't know if y'all remember Keith Sweat. I, I'm trying to strike the generations in the middle here. Keith Sweat said, just a touch of love, just a little bit. There you go. I got somebody today. I was, I'm grateful for you. Just, just a little bit. You take it too far, and it's an unwanted touch and advance. And as slight as that may seem, it has significant consequences. And that almost shut that plant down in normal Illinois because just a touch will do the doggone thing. All right, that didn't get you. Maybe this will. When I was growing up, I used to make grits with my grandma. And forgive me if you do not agree with what I'm about to say because I know there is a significant divide in black America today over how to handle grits. And so I just want to say to you authoritatively from the word of God, salt. Amen, somebody. Amen. <laughs> salt goes on grits. All of this inflammatory, high fructose, sugar, going in. You're ruining your body. You need to, Jesus said we are the salt. Of, he ain't never said we was the sugar. He said we was the salt of the earth. Lord, help me. So I would sometimes, now some of y'all debating in your pews. Stay this way. Remember that little blue cylindrical container, Morton salt? Um, we'd make the grits and I'd raise that thing. I'd open that little silver lever and I'd, and my grandma, no, 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 baby, no, baby. That's a sure way to get hypertension. She'd say, just, just a little touch. We'll do. See, guys, sometimes something slight can be incredibly significant, weighty. That's what I'm, I'm trying to urge upon you today as we arrive at Mark chapter 5. This text says that it ain't always a major touch that can change your life. Sometimes it's just a slight touch that can do it. When we come to Mark chapter 5, we run into an outsider. And I like Mark's gospel for this reason. I've been preaching through some of these narratives for a while, and, and they, it occurred to me that as I was working my way through Mark, the number of people who lived outside of the community outside of the commonwealth even of Israel, outside of the uh, ethnic heritage line, people who, did, who were not privy by proximity to the idea of who Jesus is, to, the, to a significant history and lineage. Those people are the people who show us the power of Jesus, that Gerasene demoniac in chapter 5 lived outside. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law sidelined because of a headache outside of her community. The man with the withered hand, unable to enjoy life, living outside. The, you, you remember even the, the, the Romans who, who would see Jesus and, and they would say that we got family and friends who are sick. We know we don't belong to Israel, but, but you can do something about our problems. Uh, Mark illustrates for us again and again that, that people who live on the margins, Tammy, folk who live outside and in the back, people who good old church folk feel like don't deserve grace, do, do not deserve the attention, they are the folk who most often show us the actual power of Jesus Christ. And that's good news this morning for somebody because you may not have grown up in church. You, you may not even know the stories I'm referencing. All of this may be new. You might be a college student who just came to faith in Jesus Christ and you don't even know what I'm talking about. Here's the good news. If you are on the outside, Jesus has a desire and power this morning to bring you on the inside into fellowship with him. And wherever you are this morning, it can take just a slight touch. Guess if I had to winnow this down, I, I would tell you that the joy and the beauty of this text that leaps off the pages to me is that I've come to appreciate when God touches us 
But this text says that that's not the only thing that matters. But this text says this morning that you can touch God. I I don't know how that makes y'all feel. I'm trying not to chase every rabbit, but to think that my faith can move the finger of God, that my affection for God, my hope, my confidence in God can move the needle in heaven. This text is an example, an illustration. In other words, this woman is not just a life lived on the flat pages of Scripture, but her testimony yet lives and speaks to us today. It it tells us that you and I do not have to accidentally, coincidentally run into the power of Jesus. But if you got good sense this morning, that you can intentionally expect that God can change your life. I'm going to work my way through it. I'm just trying to set the stage. Let me tell you this morning that if you've got the faith, God's got the power. That if you come in here this morning with whatever you've been handling, battling, I know some of y'all got troubles and challenges and issues. I marvel at how you look at me on Sunday morning like your life is all put together. But the reason that these stories are in the scripture is because people got problems. And some of you have limped in here. You've been hurting on your way here. Your life has been wrecked and ruined. And you're not sure that things will even come together. And the reason I know it is because I can look at your eyes above that mask and tell you ain't got it all together. Well, the good news of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is that you ain't got to have it all together when you come in here. If you can get to Jesus, Jesus can fix your problem. This woman's faith rises from the pages of Scripture as a model for us of when our conditions in life start to define us, when our destitution and our diseases and our dilemmas start to mark us. You see, there's something in this text about the hopelessness of this woman that pulls upon the strings of my heart but then also that demonstrate the power of Jesus over disease and death. It's as if this woman's hopelessness flashes the credentials of Jesus, that that however his teachings may leave you and I, here is an episode that demonstrates the divinity of Jesus Christ. I don't mean to bother y'all this morning, but while the world is bartering for other gods, I want to submit to you that there's only one God who is Lord over the winds and waves. That's creation. There's only one God who's Lord over deformities who can fix you when you are broken. There's only one God who's got more power in the hem of his garment than all of the drugstores in town. And his name is Jesus the Christ. I want you to feel a bit of this hopelessness that this woman is facing today. Her perpetual problem is stressed by the duration of time marked in this text. Did you read that there with me? The Bible says, verse 25, that she had had a hemorrhage. There you go, for 12 years. I wonder how this grips you this morning. Because what makes a problem bad isn't just that you got a problem. But it's the duration of the problem. It's how long it lasts that plagues you. And the longer it lasts, the more it feels like there'll never be a cure for the problem. You see, the longer you live with anxiety, the less likely you are to believe that there's an actual remedy for anxiety. The longer you suffer with depression and disease, the worse your hope diminishes. And like this woman, when you didn't try everything, doctors and psychologists and counselors, when you didn't spend money on experts and you didn't take all of the medicine and the herbs that there is to take, but things don't get better. They actually get worse. You start to assume that things will never get better. And somebody here today, you don't need for me to describe or define hopelessness. You are well acquainted with it. Some of you here today, you've been to the doctor and received a diagnosis. You're watching your children 
and your grandchildren make the wrong decision, one wrong decision after the next. And you didn't read every book, you didn't watch every expert on TV, you've tried every remedy, and you've, you've tried to fix your spouse and your marriage, and still there is no improvement. And look this morning, if that is you, at this woman who's been battling this condition for 12 years. She's been up, and she's been down. The language of the text, Doc Neely, is a rapid succession of participles. The, the, the idea is that the gospel writer is saying that her volatility has intensified. Some days she woke up feeling all right, but as soon as she was having a good day, that blood flow kicked in and her energy was sapped and she was slain with indignity. The text literally says that she was struck with pain. I'm not trying to use that as an adjective, guys. I, I'm not trying to, to use this uh, even as a descriptive. I'm saying that she was actually, literally, genuinely, completely knocked off her feet. That when that blood started to flow, it took all of her energy out of her. She was thrown upon her bed. And this isn't a couple of days out of the month. This, this is every day for 12 years. You imagine that before this time, 12 years before, she was a beautiful woman. Her skin was full. Her, her cheeks would blush. Her nails were strong. Her eyes were white. Her, her stride was clear. But, but after 12 years of bleeding, her eyes are yellow. Her nails are brittle. Her, her energy is low. She looks different. Her face is gaunt. Her frame is sullen. Her skin is pale. This disease has left her a shell of herself. And to make matters worse, because she is considered ritually unclean, she is unable to engage with culture and society. This disease has marginalized her. It has left her lonely. She is torn down to nothing. And to add insult upon injury, she's tried everything upon everything, but it has left her worse, not better. And that's pain. Pain, y'all, is when there's a problem knocking at your door. And the moment you think you slam the door, in the face of pain, it starts to knock again. I wish I were preaching to some real people here today. Here's what I mean. You ever had a problem that when you went to bed, that problem woke you up? Come on now, talk back to me here. You think you're getting some peaceful sleep, and that thing grab a hold of you, and, and all you feel is anxiety and stress? You ain't supposed to get up till 6.30, but you're up at 2.30 and 3 because you can't stay in the bed with these issues and challenges that are robbing you of life. That's where this woman is. Ah, oh, but if we stop right there, just describing her condition, this would be a terrible sermon. This would be a bad text. But the good news is she heard that there was somebody who had fixed other people and that he was in town. So I imagine she wrapped herself up and the crowd is pressing in on Jesus. And she's thinking, we know what she's thinking because the text tells us she thought to herself, if I could just touch the bottom of his garments. Jesus wore this undergarment that had tassels very likely at the bottom. She said, I ain't even got to get to his face. She said, if I could just come up behind him, slink down underneath him, and just tap him, something could happen to me. Y'all ain't heard what I just said. This is what I'm trying to tell you, and I'm going to preach to you. She just heard. She had never been to church. She had never watched Bishop Scootaboo on TV. She, she had never taken hold of a prayer cloth. She just heard because faith then, as faith now, comes by what you hear. And this is why some of y'all ought to turn Instagram down in the morning. Get off Twitter every now and then and turn up the volume of the word of God because if you want faith, faith comes by what you and what you hear has got to be the word of God. Is there anybody here that can help me preach this sermon that you were down and destitute, but you heard that God could do something bigger and better than where you were? 
because you heard it. Something moved. Y'all asking me, you looking, you patty caking this morning. You don't know what this woman heard. She heard that he straightened out a, a withered hand of a man. She heard that he had cured that demoniac. She heard that he was able to walk on water. And my question is, what have you heard? We got folk all over this sanctuary. Y'all making me preach too hard. Whose marriages have been near the bottom, but God has brought them through. And all you got to do is look around and hear somebody's testimony. We got people here who done lost spouses and children, and they look like their hope was all gone. But they standing up this morning in the sanctuary of God because they got power. And if you are here this morning... And you're wondering how you're going to make it. All you've got to do is look around this morning at people who have heard of the power of Jesus. I know why some of y'all ain't moving. Be seated. I'm going to tell you why. Here it is. Some of y'all too important. I know you. I see you. Slide in here from time to time. You somebody. Now, now, really, don't the rest of us even know who you are, but, but in your mind, you somebody. And then don't get two nickels that you can rub together. I ain't messing with you, but I am messing with you. And something gets in your way. This is what scholars call a sandwich miracle. You see, the reason I read verse 24 and I didn't start at verse 25 is because this miracle interrupts another miracle. It's the miracle within the miracle. If I had a church, I could preach it. See, right before this text, this paragraph, there's a man named Jairus who is a synagogue official. Everything in Jairus ought to be repulsed by the person of Jesus because Jesus stands for everything that's now anti-Jairus's industry. Jairus is the chairman of the elder board. He's the one who's heard about Jesus but is suspicious about Jesus. He ought to take his social standing as a rebuke of the ministry of Jesus. But Jairus ran into something that some of y'all might run into. And that is when your prominence and your popularity and your money can't get you out of what you in. See, it don't matter who you are. Life has a way of letting you know your money don't make you. Life has a way of letting you know your popularity don't keep you. And when all of that falls out, you're going to be like Jairus, falling down at the feet of the one who can do something about what you're going through. Preach, Charlie. I'm doing the best I can. I'm here today to tell somebody, a lot of y'all got too much pride on you. I watch you. The reason you ain't touched Jesus is because you got some letters behind your name. You got some years behind you. But is there anybody here who, like me, says it don't matter where I went to school, how much money I got, what kind of car I drive, I'll leave all of that in one minute and cast it at the feet of Jesus because my need is too great for my ability to fix it. Help me, Lord. I need today to show y'all that this, this man, J. Iris, overcomes his pride, but this woman overcomes her shame. See, some of y'all, the problem ain't pride. It's shame. You, you feel like, man, I, if you only knew, Pastor Charlie, what I've done, you, you wouldn't even want to be next to me. You, you, you feel like, oh, I know the Lord knows everything, so, so I understand if he blessed the people sitting over there because they've done what's right. He ain't going to bless me. Look at the shame this woman is carrying. The temple won't take her. Her friends are lost. She's slithering and sliding through the crowd. She's exercising all of her energy just to get to the Lord. I don't, I don't mean to drop too heavy of a footnote on you. But can I tell y'all you need to forget the crowd too? I, I am. I'm coming for you today. Yes, I am. I, some of us, and I'm going to invite some of you to place your faith 
in Jesus Christ today. And I'm going to ask you to make a movement. And, and you're going to feel like, man, I don't want to do this in front of all of these people. See, a crowd can either drive you or it can deter you. And you don't want to be seen. I didn't see people crying, caught up in worship, and then they got, they got to catch it. They don't want nobody to see them. I just, I can't be this way in church. Or, or don't, don't want to lift their hands up because they're afraid that, that people going to look. And see, when I grew up, it's church is light now. When I grew up, church was heavy. People used to shout in church. I mean, I mean, they, we used to say they caught the Holy Ghost. They, that, that's theologically incorrect, but it was the way that we just say, they, they, oh, and then they get to running and going. And then you could tell all the sadity people, I mean, all the refined, educated people, they didn't do that. that there were certain churches. We don't do that here. No, no, no. See, those other churches over there that are less educated, that don't know what we know, that don't have as much as we have, they, they do that, but we don't do that here. And if you let the crowd deter you, they will stop you from getting the blessing you showed up to get. You better block your neighbor out. Are y'all listening to me in here? You better block your spouse out. Because there's some things that only Jesus can do. And if you in this house right now, he's as real in this sanctuary as he was in Mark 5. You ought to raise your hands and say, touch! Touch me today! I wouldn't preach it if I didn't believe it to be true. You can leave here better than you came. You don't have to leave here the way you walked in here because whenever Jesus shows up, things change. Hallelujah. I need you to hear me today. I love the fact Man, Danielle, I was looking for y'all. I love the fact that she doesn't just touch Jesus. Jesus ends up touching her. The reason I look this way, see, in India, there's a class of people. They belong to the lowest stratum of castes. They are known as the untouchables. They are at the bottom of the very bottom. And even in the New Testament context, there were people you didn't touch because it put you down at the bottom. Don't, don't y'all want to learn something when you come to church? Jesus has been touching all the wrong people. And you want to say to him, hey, bro, come on here. Let me tell you how this works. If you touch that guy, you're going to be unclean. You don't touch people with diseases, man. You're supposed to be the savior. Let's go get you some Armani and some Gucci and some Tom Ford. Get your label stitched in the side of your piece. Jesus Incorporated Ministries. You don't touch a woman who's been a prostitute. You're, what you touch that demon for? Because in the Old Testament, Whenever a person touched something that was unclean, they became unclean. And you could say to Jesus, Jesus, don't be touching the untouchables. But Jesus would turn around and say, you haven't fully read the Old Testament. Because uncleanliness is not the only contagious thing. is contagious too y'all ain't in here come on now come on now Saul is chasing David and he comes in contact with the holy and he starts prophesying because whenever the holiness of God comes it breaks out Isaiah is in that temple in the year King Uzziah died and he saw the Lord and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and he went hiding because holiness is contagious. David's man was walking near the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark stumbled and he went to touch it but when he touched it, it slew him because holiness is contagious and what Jesus is saying, I'm not worried about the unclean making me unclean but when I touch the unclean they become clean oh help 
me preach in your church today. The holiness of God has power. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah, yes. Touch, Lord. I wish y'all would pray like them people in the church I grew up in. Touch me. Lord, sometimes they wouldn't even know what to pray. They'd be praying. My mama used to pray over us, leaving for school. Touch my babies, Lord. Keep them in your loving care. Protect them from hurt, harm, and danger. When we get back home, thank you for touching us with your finger of love, for waking us up and watching over us. That touch has contagious power. I'm done. I'm done now when I say she had tried. Bible says she had spent all she had. She went to all the physicians and the doctors. This is why I'm preaching to somebody today. Because you like this woman. You didn't try everything. But isn't that the irony in this text? You ain't really tried everything. Until you didn't try God. Here it is. You've been trying medicine and psychologists and counselors and doctors and you just then gave up but you came to the right place today child of God you you came into a church that's going to tell you you try the power of God and when you try the power of God God is able to turn your circumstance and and the beauty of this text to me is that this miracle within the miracle does not stop the other miracle. If I had time, I would preach that on the other side. J. Iris is going to get what J. Iris needs. But this woman interrupts Jesus. I'm so glad that Jesus is better than some of us who are so busy and in a hurry to the next thing that we miss the actual agenda of God. See, when your agenda is so full that not even God can break in to your agenda, you got a problem. Have you noticed that some of the things we remember Jesus for the most were actual interruptions? This, this woman interrupts him. But so did everything else. Jesus is at a wedding one day, minding his own business. He had something in his cup. Ain't none of our business what he had in his red Solo cup. You know it was a red Solo cup because it was a poor couple. And that's what poor couples and people at the house, that's what they drink out of. So Jesus standing there with that red Solo cup. And his mama come to him and say, hey, man, hey, they ran out of wine. And she walks out. He goes, hey, hey, mama, mama, what that got to do with me? I'm here as a guest like everybody else. She looks at him and says, uh, okay. Looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Can you see Jesus? Jesus is human now. Jesus, oh, man, I can't go nowhere. My mama always telling people. Oh, I was born of a virgin. <laughs> she probably ain't telling nobody, but she knew. She knew. So he says, all right, take that water out of those pots and pour it in another container. And then go take some to the head waiter. And the head waiter tastes it. I tell you, this is Baptist people's favorite miracle. We, we do not own it publicly, but we practice it privately. The head waiter gets a hold of this, and, and the head waiter. Now, when the mater D looks at you and goes, whoa, whoa. Now, now watch this. Usually, I tell y'all it's Moscata, but uh, some of y'all, your palates are elevated. Uh, the, uh, Cabernet. This is, this is Camus. This is, this is a high-end premium stuff. And the, and the mater D goes, whoa, 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 where, where'd you get this? He was interrupted. But it's a miracle we remember. You, you remember when Jesus was getting off the boat at the beginning of Mark 5? And, and the garrison demoniac met him, came to him. That wasn't his, on his agenda for the day. 
but it was God's will and plan for him. Now, now I mention it because in the same way that what we remember Jesus for the most were likely interruptions, the stuff that changes your life the most are likely interruptions too. Can I tell y'all how I'm preaching to you this morning? Can I tell you how? Minding my own business, Wallace Sims, who's a blessed memory, loved this church, came of age in this church, served as co-chair of the deacon board at this church back in the day, tapped me on my shoulder. I, I am 27 years old. Amen. I think you ought to pray about going to Progressive. No. I'm good where I am. He came back a year and a half later. I really think you ought to consider. And look at what God has done. Lives change, my life change, our family change, church didn't come back to life because it was an interruption. I wonder what Moses was thinking that day when he was walking those sheep and that bush was on fire. And the beauty of what Moses did is what you and I will not do. He stopped and he turned aside to see what God is doing. Listen, friend, don't you be in such a hurry in life that you miss God knocking on your door. Somebody call you and ask you, consider this, apply for that. Have you thought about this? That might be God. And, and Jesus says, who touched me? And they say, uh, what you mean? There's a whole lot of people here. He says, no, no, this kind of power does not automatically come out of my body. Somebody touched me, and he stopped. And you know Jesus is Jesus because he starts looking for a woman. He says, where is she? And she, she has recognized that something has happened in her body. God, help me preach my sermon. I'm, I'm done. Something has happened in her body. The, the way the original language says, it, it was a spring, a flow, a gushing flow that just dried up immediately. She knew instantaneously that power had hit her body. And Jesus looks around and says, where you at? Friends, your faith does not have to be perfect to move God. This woman might be on some superstitious stuff. I know now everybody's selling prayer cloths. We don't do that here. But there's some mystery to that. She said, I, I might not be able to touch him, but if I can touch what's touching him, he got so much power. Y'all ain't in here. I'm saying Jesus is dripping with power. It's coming off of his clothes, but her faith activates the power. I, I don't know if y'all know what the edge of his garment is, but it's the, it's the string that's dangling from his garment. And she touches it, and the moment that she touches it, her body is made whole. And Jesus says, who did it? Oh, friends, I'm trying not to rush, but I'm done. Have you noticed what he calls her in this text? She comes forth, and she says the whole story. This is what my life has been like. And Jesus uses a subtle yet significant name in verse 34. It's a title. It is a word that Jesus does not use with anybody else. He calls her dog. I don't call anybody else dog, but that little chocolate girl downstairs who looked like me. You know why? Because she's part of my family. She belongs to us. And what Jesus is saying to this woman, I'm trying to preach. I know you were on the outside when you came to the party today. But when you touched me, I brought you on the inside. No longer are you a Gentile. No longer are you a foreigner. But now you're part of the family of God. And is there anybody else here who did not previously belong 
to the family of God, but now you do. Let me tell you, if that's not you, it can be you because the best part of this text is that this woman got healed. Y'all ain't in here with me. I'm done. I really am done. I said the best part of this text is that this woman got healed, but, but you don't hear what I'm saying. So let me see if I can close in exegetical fashion the language of this text. The text says that your faith has made you well, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. If you limit this to mere physical healing. See, that's all most of us want is for God to fix our bodies and God fix my mind and God fix my car, and God fix my finances. If that's all you need God for, then you are missing the real power of God. If all you see in this text is that a woman got temporally healed in body, you are missing the force of this text. What happened to this woman was not temporal, it was eternal. You see, sick people who are made well are liable to get sick again. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but guess what? He died again, and he is no more. But what Jesus gave this woman, according to the language of the text, was something more than healing. He gave her salvation. If all there is in life is temporal healing, if all there is in living down here is being healed from maladies in the body, then we are consigned to the land of some more. Do y'all know what some more is? Come on, college students. Y'all ever heard of the language some more? If you get healed, you are still in the land of some more. It's still going to be some more gunshots down here. It's still going to be some more doctor visits down here. It's still going to be some more arguments with your spouse. It's still going to be some more pain and fatigue with your kids. It's still going to be some more perplexing elections. But the thing I love about God is that God, when he saves us, is moving us from the land of some more to the land of no more. No more heartaches. No more pain. No more disappointments. No more frustration. No more disease. No more doctors. No more tears. No more heartache and pain. Is there anybody here that hears what I'm saying? We're on our way to the land of some more. How do I get to the land of some more? Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood of the lamb. I'm done. Stand up on your feet. God be praised for his word today. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Dr. Charlie Dates, Senior Pastor of the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. For more information about our church, visit ProgressiveChicago.org. Progress is yours through the gospel of Jesus Christ.